welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonia. We're back this week finishing our second Maze Runner book, The Scorch Trials. I had read up to this point in the series before, but Charles is completely new to it, and next week we will both be newbies in the final book. And as we tell you every single week, we're a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network, and we read and reread YA books from our adolescence. And there's something else that we always mention, but we normally mention at the end of each episode, and this week I wanted to mention it at the top. Yeah, so as you all know, we are a podcast, and the best way for our show to grow is for people to listen to it, and if you like it, to listen every week, and there are a couple of other ways that you can help us out besides just listening. So the first is super obvious, and that's telling people that you like the show, and maybe posting about it on your social media, and telling your friends who might also be interested in the show so that they can learn about it too and listen to us. Yeah, and I do this by mentioning the series that we've covered and then suggesting that people maybe start with those episodes that maybe they've read those books for, so they have an entry point. When Asia and I tell people, like our friends that we have a podcast, we'll be like, we've covered The Hunger Games, because it's a pretty surefire bet that most of our friends have read The Hunger Games. So it's a good recommendation on that's a good way to start listening to the show. And the other thing that you can do to support our show, which is a little more technical, is giving us ratings and reviews. So the apps that play our podcast, like Stitcher and Spotify and Apple Podcasts, they're going to recommend us to more listeners the higher ratings we have and the more reviews we have. So if you could do one or both of those, give us a rating out of the stars and write us a review, that would help out a ton. It really helps grow our show. Yes, and just thank you guys so much for all of your support. We love our listeners, and we've loved building Throwback Paperback, and we'd love as we approach 100 episodes to see about growing the show even more, and would just love if you could help us out with that. But now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Charles is going to go ahead and give us a summary of the second half of The Scorch Trials. Yep. So Thomas and Brenda are fighting through the town, and they reconnect with the Gladers, only to have Group B show up with Teresa, and they abduct Thomas. Then Teresa and Eris have to betray Thomas, but apparently it was all just another assignment and another part of the trials. Are you confused yet? Yep. Yeah, I was. And then <laughs> the remaining Gladers and Group B all meet up at the safe haven, except psych, they're attacked by some monsters, and some of them are taken into the burg that we think must be wicked. And then once again, Thomas is separated, and once again we find out that all of this is planned part of the trials. So I'll go right as my impression, which was that I really want to keep reading. Like, I finished the book and I was like, we have to record immediately so that I can keep reading the story. And I really want to know why Wicked is doing this, because they are torturing these children. They are torturing them. And I want to know why they feel so justified. Like, what is the world so, like, what is the state of the world that they feel like this is worth it because that it's so worth torturing these kids. So I don't know. That's where I'm at. I just really, really want to know the final resolution. Yeah, I'm definitely at the same spot, but my impression is that I just really didn't remember any of this. Like I have no idea what's going on. And 
But more importantly, while I was reading this, I was just thinking, like, as we finished the book, how on earth did I stop reading after this book? Like, I don't understand, like, what my 11-year-old self was thinking. Like, why did I not finish this series? Like, I didn't get any answers. Like, I need answers right now. Like, I'm definitely on the same page as Charles that I just want to keep reading, which is why we have to record right now. But, yeah, I feel like I just really don't recall any of, like, the details. I feel like I have a general idea. Like, I thought maybe he got separated at the end, but I don't know. It's just interesting. I feel like this series, I really didn't remember much at all. So my theory is actually that 11-year-old Asia got frustrated when the romance broke down, the potential romance, and that you gave up on the books because of that. But I can't theorize as to actually why you would have stopped reading. I don't think it was that. I mean, if I remember correctly, one of my best friends actually lent, uh, actually loaned me their Kindle to read this, like the first two books, because I think she had them on a Kindle. And I think maybe she didn't have the third book. And like I said, I did it for this thing called Reading Counts. And so I don't know if like maybe the third book wasn't on the Reading Counts or maybe the third book wasn't out yet. Had The third book might not have come in, come out yet because I think we mentioned I think it came out in like 2011. And I probably read these in seventh grade, so they probably came out, like, when I was in eighth grade, and so I probably kind of forgot about it, and that was when I feel like I started reading Divergent, and, like, I got caught up in other series, so I just totally forgot about this one. Wow. Well. Failure. Well, we will definitely read next week, so it's okay. So... If you remember, we finished last week on a cliffhanger. Thomas and Brenda are about to be attacked by a crank. So he and Brenda are hiding, only for Brenda to promptly reveal their location. And that felt incredibly intentional. Like, it felt like Brenda put Thomas in a situation in which he would have to kill the crank. So at this point, I was like, she's got to be working for Wicked, or at least she's part of the trial somehow. Yeah, for sure. Brenda cannot be trusted. She seems very suspicious. And yes, she basically does line it up so Thomas does have to kill the crank, and he does. And it's his first kill, and he's obviously impacted by it. So I definitely think that we should keep an eye on that to be important later down the line. Yeah, it feels like Wicked wanted to see how he would respond to killing, or like if he's okay to kill for the right reasons. Like it just, it felt so obvious that like, he is being tested in this moment because Brenda absolutely could kill the crank if she needed to. And she didn't really need to reveal their location in the first place. For all we know, the crank was a plant for all we know, Brenda's a plant, but like, it definitely felt like it felt like will Thomas kill in the right circumstances? Yes. Which goes to sort of what I was talking about earlier. It's incredibly twisted. Like they're torturing this child and. Oh, for sure. I want to know why. So, and you know, you're okay. They just tortured his heart. He killed someone. Then he comes out from underground and there are signs everywhere throughout the city saying, Thomas, you're the real leader. So now they're twisting his brain. Like, especially after they literally tattooed on Minho that he's the leader. And now they're writing everywhere that Thomas is the leader. I'm like, you guys are torturing these kids. Yeah, and the fact that there are those plaques are all over the city is probably why Jorge agreed to help them in the first place when he heard what Thomas's name was, because he's like, okay, this kid is probably important. It might mean something. And again, Jorge, Brenda, everyone's just desperate to try to get 
a cure from the flare. So that's probably why he was more willing to take a chance on Thomas. Yeah. I mean, I did read the plaque and I was like, duh, of course he's the real leader. Like he's got way more leadership qualities than Minho. But it's only going to cause problems and dissent between them. And so then we get like a bit of a chaotic plot convenience subplot, like through the, so the three cranks show up, they bring them to the party, Thomas gets drugged, which leads to them reuniting with the Gladers, and then Thomas gets shot. And we should talk about that when Thomas gets drugged, Thomas and Brenda both get drugged right before they're like semi-kidnapped, and Brenda basically like tries to kiss Thomas, but Thomas says no, because Brenda is not her, a.k.a. Teresa, and that she could never be her. And I don't know. You know, the romantic in me was like, oh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely at this point, as much as I love Brenda for being, like, freaking hysterical to read, obviously, like, I don't trust her. So I'm glad that Thomas said no to her. At the same time, I wonder how he feels about Teresa now at the end of the book. Yeah, which we'll get into a little bit later, but I will say, as my notes show, I was holding out for Teresa the whole time, based on what I remembered, and also I was like, there's no way she actually turned on him. But we'll get into that in a second. Oh, yeah, I I agree. I think that, I, I also don't think, or at least all of my notes showed as well, that like, Teresa didn't turn on him, Teresa didn't turn on him, this is not real, this is real, well, anyway, sorry, let's get, let's move along. Let's get there first. So first, back to the whole kissing thing. I was also just like, besides the point, Thomas really just needs to stop focusing on Brenda at all and focus back on the score trials, what they're trying to survive, because they need to get out of the city. And one thing I didn't like that he said is that he was starting to feel responsible for Brenda. For He was starting to feel responsible for Brenda like he felt with Chuck. Which I was like, that's like sister zoning, which is even worse than friend zoning. But also I was just like, you can't trust Brenda, so you should not feel responsible for her. Like, it just seemed a very extreme feeling to have when, like, she's clearly a suspicious character. Well, we have already established that Thomas has quite the savior complex. He really wants to save everybody. Kind of like Harry Potter. Yeah. He's got mad main character energy. Like, when he says that about Brenda, I was like, wow, he really feels like a main character at this moment. Like, he's like, I'm just going to save her, even though I don't feel that way for her. Like, you know, she can't help that she's a crank, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God, she must be sick. I'm here to help her. Like, okay, white guy, walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, it is a bit much. Yeah, like you said, also, like, the fact that he's sister zoning her is even worse than friend zoning. Well, it also is just, like, again, like, a little, uh, does Brenda even need saving? Like, it sounds like she's in on the whole thing and actually calling the shots, so, <laughs> I don't know. It, I mean, do you remember when she literally knifed Minho? Like, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, so. It was, so, like, about an hour and a half. But, yeah, like you said, definitely, we've already established Thomas has, like, a serious savior complex, so it does make sense for his character, for him, like, making a weird comment like that. So... After the abduction, they reconnect with the Gladers. He gets shot, and he gets a really serious infection. And then Wicked actually extracts him from the Scorch. Like, they fly down in the Berg. They, like, scoop him up. They bring him to a hospital, and they heal his infection, basically put him back together, good as new. And they basically say that it's an exception to the rule because the gun should not have been there. Like, they would not have saved him, necessarily, for 
another reason, like maybe if he got knifed, you know, and it was his fault, like, I don't know, maybe that wouldn't have been part of the trials, but they basically said, it made it sound like a gun should not have been within their trials. Like a gun is not part of their variables. And so because of that, they felt justified in extracting him and saving him basically. And then they're going to dump him right back with the gladers. And all of the gladers, this was again, one of those moments, like when we were talking about the sun in the second half of the first book, all the gladers are like, oh my God, we're being observed. Like they can swoop in and because they're watching us. And I was like, duh. Like they just said that you're part of a test. Like they all were, I mean, not Thomas, but like Minho is like, oh my God, they're watching us. And I was like, what did you think they were doing? Whereas for me, this moment actually made me wonder if this is all like indoors or even more contained. We've kind of talked about this in the past. I want to know what you think, Asia, but like, we've gotten that impression that possibly everything is part of it. Possibly everything is a variable. Like, are they in an arena where like, you know, this is just basically a whole setup. Like every single part of it is to test them. Like, I don't necessarily know if I believe that because that makes the whole like gun infiltrate a little less likely, but I don't know. What do you think Asia? Like, it just feels like wicked can control this so specifically and it would be hard to do that if they were actually, like, out in the desert. I think it's definitely possible that, like you said, maybe it could be in some sort of Hunger Games-esque arena. Especially, like, since they, when they ran through, like, the really bad storm and it was almost like the lightning bolts were, like, shooting at people. Possibly. But I feel like, like you're saying, with the gun and everything and the fact that, like, all those, like, cranks that say, like, they were just dumped there by, like, the government basically to, like, die out... I, my theory would be more that they have spies watching them. Like, for example, Brenda, who's literally spent every waking moment with Thomas now, could be somehow giving intel to them. Or they're just watching them through, like, very hidden cameras that you they just obviously are not necessarily aware of. Because they even say them, they were like, have you seen any, um, wasn't it called, like... Beetle blades. Beetle blades. And I feel like in the desert, it's probably a lot more discreet than that. But I think sure. the idea of them, like, having full control over the environment seems a little far-fetched. But, I mean, again, like they say, you're not really supposed to, you don't know what to believe in. But I think, especially since there was that gun, which came from one of the cranks, which, so if obviously they, if the cranks aren't working for Wicked or weren't, like, brought in by Wicked, I feel like it's more likely that it is more of a little bit of a chaotic environment. Mm-hmm but they still are able to observe and like step in if something is going to, you know, mess up what they were planning. That would be my guess. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, again, the whole like gun breaking the system really indicates to me that it has to be like semi-genuine, but I do think that they probably are more controlling it, like planting Jorge and Brenda, stuff like that. I, yes. And I also think that something that maybe we'll talk about a little bit later is I also think Thomas is specifically very important. So I think maybe if someone else would have gotten shot, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. But I think Thomas clearly, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit like, and we already know he had something to do with designing the maze. He knew the creators. Like, I think that he's a lot more important. So like, they don't want him to die. Yeah. Well, actually we should get to that. So we, he goes and gets scooped up and he hears some things during his operation. Yes, so after his operation with the Wicked People, he overhears 
two people talking and they say that he is one of four to five candidates that they're looking at. And again, this happened and I was like, this could be genuine, like that they accidentally let that slip or they could have slipped in that info. Like it could be a variable once again that they're like, we want him to know he's under consideration and that he's one of our finalists. And either way, that could have different ramifications. But I was like, oh, this is so frustrating. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. And something that I think was even more important in what he overhears is the lady says that when, basically because like they can tell that he's probably awake and they're like, it doesn't matter. He can hear this. And she says something like, it's what you would have wanted us to do. Basically about dumping him back in the Scorch Trials, which I thought was a very important note because maybe, like I said, maybe Thomas did have more to do with the creation of the trials than he remembers. Because if she's saying that he would have wanted to go back in the trials, he obviously believes in them. So, like, to me, that's like a big thing. I mean, as we'll get into more about, like, how Teresa, again, said at the beginning, Wicked is good. Like, to me, it feels like Thomas and Teresa and we'll later learn, like, Eris, they, I feel like, were a part of Wicked, and they ended up having to participate in the trials for whatever reason. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second, I'm sure. But it does, again, like, I think that we do have to, like, accept some of the things as fact, like, because it's just, like, your brain will explode if you're just assuming that every single thing is is potentially wrong. (laughs) But yes, we definitely know that Thomas, he was more involved than what we already know. Like, there's just no, like, well, we'll get there. We're going to get there in a very quick moment. So, and the thing that, like, I think also we really need to mention that is really highlighted in this reading that I was noticing is that Wicked really thinks they're saving the world. Or at least what we know of Wicked so far is that Wicked really thinks they're saving the world. Like, their actions are justified Like, they make up this whole game, this whole, like, multi-step trial, and they break a rule because Thomas is such a good candidate for this whole system. Like, if it wasn't as important or as vital as they seem to think it is, they would just not be doing it, you know? And I think that that really shines through in this reading that, like, and we'll get to that when we get to the epilogue as well, but basically, like, Wicked really thinks that they are doing the right thing, I think. Yeah, it is clear that that seems to be their motive. They have the whole idea. The ends justify the means. They're working towards this cure. It really doesn't matter what lives are taken or what lives are ruined because their goal is ultimately to save the world from the flare, whereas if they are unable to do that, the world's basically just going to implode anyway is what it seems like. So it's kind of like this is their only hope is their belief system. Yeah. But then we end up getting a whole segment, basically, of Teresa just popping back up out of nowhere, which, you know, firstly, why does Teresa keep magically appearing? Like we said in the last reading, how she magically appeared at that building, and now she's going to magically pop up again. Like, she just keeps coming in and out. But secondly, which again, even though this is happening, I was holding out for Team Teresa this whole time. And like we know, Teresa was labeled as the betrayer. And we also know that Group B, which is the group of girls, is supposed to kill Thomas. But I was thinking maybe Teresa is actually going to betray Group B by saving Thomas. 
which that's not what happened. But when I was like thinking Team Teresa, I was like, maybe that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I never thought of that because I just didn't. <laughs> but um, I do agree that I never actually thought that Teresa was going to kill Thomas or that she wanted to kill Thomas. Like the whole, you're so evil, you know what you did to me. It was like, okay, like that's like, especially because she says so many times, like, you know what you did, but like, she never explains she what he did. She won't say what he did. Because so. it wasn't real. So, yeah, we should mention then. So, Teresa, like, pops up in his dream. Then she shows up with Group B and a bunch of weapons. And they basically are like, we're going to kill Thomas. We're going to kill all of you if you get in the way. We're taking him. And so they do take Thomas. Because Teresa has told Thomas in his brain to trust her. Yes, and Teresa seems to be the leader, so they're all just going along with her. And Teresa is being especially mean to Thomas. Like, she basically beats him up. <laughs> she smacks him multiple times in the head with, like, this spear. And she just keeps going on and on that she wants to kill Thomas. And this actually ends up triggering another dream for Thomas, in which it's revealed that Thomas and Teresa didn't just help the Wicked Creators. Or at least we're assuming if this is a real memory... Basically, what they're talking about, it sounds like the original creators of Wicked and the Trials died somehow, and they and they took over. Thomas and Teresa took over to complete the trials and found replacements for the scientists and all the other people, I guess. And then they had their memories wiped so that they could participate in the trials. And this is why Teresa wrote Wicked is Good on her arm, and I'm assuming that's why the lady said that thing to Thomas about you would have wanted to go back in. And I was like, I said, I don't remember this. I have no idea. And we do not get an answer to this by the end of the book. So I definitely don't know. But this was just my theory, specifically based off of that like dream slash possible memory Thomas has with him and Teresa looking at the screens, like watching the people in the Glade, like watching the two groups on the screens. It sounds like like they were watching, like they were participating in the trials like as the behind the scenes as the creators and then for whatever reason the creators died or were eliminated and so they had to take over and we're like now we have to go in like that was just the vibe it seemed was happening which is like mind blown yeah that was mind blowing to me too and again we don't know if it's a real memory we don't know if it's a dream we don't know if it's partially true we don't know like we don't know anything Except, like, mind-blowing, whatever it is. And, again, this is going to be my theme for the episode, torturing these kids. And even if they're self-torturing, like, it's pretty messed up what these kids are going through. Like, I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll get an answer in the next book as to why the scale of this, like, trial. So, okay. Thomas and his main character energy, he has some superhero plot armor. He talks Group B out of killing him. He's just like, what if this was a test? And you're supposed to be smarter than a sheeple. And they're like, good logic, bro. We don't want to kill you. <laughs> I mean, his justification for like not killing him. It's easy to convince them because nobody really wants to kill him. Like they're like, this is just a kid. We don't know him. Probably most of them haven't killed another human being. Just like any good person would probably struggle with killing someone, especially someone that has done nothing to you 
has done no wrong that you know of. You are only going based off of this random girl that you just met who's telling you we have to kill him because he did something terrible to me, but I won't say what it is. So, like, I, yes, it was pretty easy, but I think that the fact that it's pretty well explained that, like, the group was pretty skeptical about the whole thing anyway, it, they were, like, going to be easily flipped. Yeah, I think that's the point. What you're saying is important. Like, the fact that they were easily flipped was because they were apprehensive about killing, not because Thomas's rhetoric, because I did no. not think that he did a great job convincing them. I mean, it was a fine argument, but it was just, like, I think that what you're saying about, like, they probably weren't, like, bloodthirsty is a better explanation for why they didn't kill him than Thomas being like, let's outsmart the games. <laughs> so, okay, so Thomas convinces them not to kill him. Then Teresa comes out of nowhere, still wants to kill him all crazy, and then she lures him away because she's like, we love each other. And then, psych, out of nowhere, Teresa's like, I'm connected to Eris. Psych, Eris and I are going to kill you. Psych, Eris and Teresa start kissing, then they fight, they beat Thomas up, and they lock him in a little (laughs) box. Just bullies shoving him in the locker. (laughs) Yeah, but it was like, it was so middle school, like... She doesn't like like you. She like likes me. And they beat him. Put him <laughs> in the locker. But then psych, once again, it's actually a magic locker. There's this gas that like, once again, heals him up. Thomas, renewed, back to 100% strength. And they, then they open the door. And Teresa's like, ha 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 It was just an assignment from Wicked. You had to feel betrayed. But we knew you weren't going to die. We just had to make you think you were. Okay, before you, I get <laughs> before I get your reaction, Asia, I have to say a couple things. One, this felt like such a Pokemon moment. So if you've ever played any of the Pokemon video games, the Pokemon fight each other, and then you take them to the medical center, and they like charge up the Pokeballs, and that like bring like restores the Pokemon to full health, so they can go like fight another one again. I guess I don't know, and. That was what this felt like. It was like, Thomas gets beat up, but he goes in the magic locker, and his Pokeball gets recharged, and he's good as new. He's ready to go for the next fight. He, Teresa's like, Thomas. She's like, Eris, I choose you. And then locker opens. She's like, psych, Thomas, I choose you. (laughs) But again, on a more serious note, after the Pokemon recharge, again, these trials are super messed up. Like, we, we don't know why it was so important for Thomas to feel betrayal. But, like, whew, I want to know. I want to know why the creators, which might include Teresa and Thomas at this point, felt it was so important for him to feel betrayal. Like, how is that going to help him in finding the cure? So... <laughs> The only possible theory, well, I'm just thinking about this as we're saying, if if we're going based off of the theory that Thomas and Teresa were the creators, obviously this was all a part of their plan. And obviously they weren't going to remember that it was part of their plan because their memories were wiped. But this had to have some sort of importance as to why this needed to be done. And like they said, the whole purpose of this was so that Thomas could feel betrayed, like actually betrayed. It couldn't be fake. It had to be real betrayal, as in he felt like he couldn't trust Teresa again. And so from that, I feel like maybe it's that he has to, after being betrayed, he has to learn to forgive her and 
be able to reform the trust between them, which could have something to do with like, again, if there's a cure or like the final test, like you have to have that quality in you of going through betrayal, but recovering from it and like maybe reforming a friendship or bond, or it has to be something like that. Like it has to be to me, the betrayal, like divine forgiveness, it could be, yeah. Learning the true feeling of forgiveness when you've actually been betrayed, like completely turned on feeling that. And I would just assume it has to do with some sort of final test. And like, again, I've said, I believe Thomas is like the most important person clearly in this. Like he is the leader. He's one of the four or five candidates. Like he's the number one candidate. I feel like, so I feel like that is why he is ultimately going through the most tests. And this was this ultimate test to allow him to do well in whatever the final test is or another test down the line. I don't know what it could be, but I just know that based off of the memories he's getting, like Teresa and Thomas are on the same side. So there's a reason why they did this, why that they put this in the plans. Unless of course everything's fake and we have no idea what's going on. But I, I just feel like that's not what it is. I feel like, especially when we think back to Divergent, I really don't think we're going to be necessarily thrown for a curve in the same way. I feel like we are getting good hints and foreshadowing of what is coming. So I don't think it's going to be, oh, everything's made up. You could have never trusted anybody. And I think that's a good point that like, yeah, we can't just assume that literally everything is made up because then there's no point in writing a book. And it doesn't, it feels way too intentional for that anyway. It's not like an accident. Yeah. I think it's a really important point that you just made that like, he and Teresa were at least coordinating at some point. So at least at some point they have the same aims and maybe they still do like again, memory wipe. We don't know. Oh, and I forgot to mention, he also has a memory of Eris, the one who was from group B. He was also there. So we know it was Teresa, Thomas, Eris, and an unnamed girl who he didn't recognize, which my assumption was, I think her name was Rachel, which was the one who was killed from group B that was Eris's best friend. I was assuming it was those four, the four telepathic people. I'm assuming that was what it was for whatever reason. I agree. That was my assumption. That was my assumption because obviously he didn't recognize her. He never met that girl. So, but it was them four. So it wasn't just the two of them. It was the four of them, which is why Eris was in on this whole betrayal thing too. So obviously it's a part of their plan that Thomas is this big leader and he had to know what betrayal felt like. And like, you know what? Is able to overcome that for like the final test. Like, I just feel like that's what it's got to be. It's just making him feel more and more like a Christ figure. Yeah. Like he's, if he can do innate and pure and unconditional forgiveness, well, I mean, Christ figure, it's a very useful literary device, besides a theological one. And we'll see. But I like your idea. I think that that's actually a really good, like, idea for an application of this betrayal, because, like, it can't just be like, we need people who are tough, you know? Like, that just feels like not a good enough excuse, because the maze enough would be enough to find people who are tough. And one other thing I just am thinking of right now, it could also be, I feel like, again, since we're thinking that Thomas, Teresa, Eris, they all had a lot more to do with the creation of the wicked trials and all this. I feel like maybe him going through this betrayal from Teresa and being able to forgive her will also help him eventually forgive himself when I feel like we find out all the things that he did to make this come into fruition. And once he realizes, you know, that 
all these people died because of him. Like, I feel like it's coming to that point, like, where it's, like, they clearly played a very big role. And, like, he's going to have to live with that when he fully realizes it. And maybe this is, like, helping him prepare for that. Because he'll feel betrayed by his, like, former self that he doesn't remember. That's a good point. That's a good point. We'll have to see. So, okay. We'll leave the Teresa box for now. So, Teresa Thomas and Eris, they're running. Because it's the Maze Runner. We're back to running again. Because they have to make it to the safe haven in time. So, we're running. Again, I have to mention it because that would be, I'm out. We're not running. We're not running places. It's just, we don't do that. (laughs) So, they're running to the safe haven. And it's, again, very cinematic moment. We have, like, Group B, the ladies. They're, like, almost there. Group A, the men, plus Brenda and Jorge. They're coming from a slightly different angle. They're, like, gaining on them. On a mountain ridge above, we have Thomas, Eris, and Teresa. And they're looking down, and they're seeing it all. And all three groups converge at once. Boom. Magic. But, like, they've all been running towards, like, a point. Where there's nothing there, there, it just turns out that the safe haven is just a stick in the ground, and they're all standing there, and they're like, hi, nice to meet you. And then the ground opens up, and back to the horror content of this story, a bunch of monsters that have organic light bulbs growing on them attack them, and they have to pop the light bulbs to kill the monsters and they have to like go hide in the monsters like safety pods during some lightning storms then they have to get back out again and climb into the berg so wicked spaceship again like wicked's ufo and then they bring but the berg is about to fly away they have to actually like run and like jump yes. up onto at it. one point they say it's like six feet off the ground i'm like um can can all these people jump? I wouldn't make it. You wouldn't make I don't it. Think my, ar- my arms can reach. You wouldn't make I it. I at the beginning when it was like at three feet. That's what I'm saying. And they put, but so some of them don't even make it. Some of the kids die in the monster fight. Some of them don't make it up onto the berg. No, I think they said everyone makes it up onto the berg who survived the fight. But a couple kids do die in the fight. But all of them make it onto the okay. berg okay. who survived. And so then... This guy, I think his name is Daniel, but, like, it was a generic name, so I forgot. He's, like... I think it was... It was David or Daniel. It was one of those. those. I think it was David. Maybe it was David. I don't know. It started with a D, I think. And he's, like, you can't bring other people. That's not part of the plan. I'm gonna kill them. And Thomas is, like, yeah, I think they were part of the plan. Kill Brenda. And he's, like not going to do it because Thomas is like, well, of course, because she's part of this plan. You weren't going to kill her. And okay, that's not exactly how it went down. That's how it read to me. Basically, basically what happened is this David guy, whatever, he's like, who are these outsiders? And Thomas is like, they helped us. We wouldn't have been able to make it without them. And he's like, okay, I'll take one, but you have to, but the other has to die. And Thomas thinking this is a test is like, okay, well, he says tells him to kill Brenda because he thinks that he's going to pick the person that he didn't pick. But then the guy goes to grab Brenda, like throw her out of the out of the spaceship, the Berg. And Thomas tackles him, takes the gun and holds the gun on him. And it's like no more people are dying. So that's what happens. And then the guy is basically like, OK, so he doesn't just say, oh, we're not going to kill her. But he does pretty easily give up because also we don't know. Are there other people on the on the Berg? Like that's not mentioned at all. We don't know who else is there. 
this just this one man we think his name David is mentioned so he did pretty much give it up easily but like Charles said we do at this point believe that Brenda is in on it and probably works for Wicked especially for what happens next wait just gotta quickly interrupt because we've been on the Jesus train David Daniel biblical names I think his name is David which is obviously a much more biblical name than Daniel Brenda pretty sure that's in the Bible Thomas heavily in the Bible like you know the hints are coming together Teresa Bible okay <laughs> good observation good observation so I'm just saying oh also I wanted to say the Berg I just kept imagining the Vil- Vilpanas if you remember in the Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Hommel when they go to Don Utalis and they have like the the spaceships that they're like flying around in the flying saucers. The flying saucers. That's what I'm imagining the Berg is. Oh, no, I'm imagining it more like like more of like a futuristic like spaceship that's in like a Marvel movie or something. Oh, like that's a like a this. like a shield puddle jumper. Yeah, something like that. I mean, that's just more what I've been watching recently. So that's what I'm imagining. But I also just definitely wouldn't be imagining a flying saucer. I'm literally uh-huh. imagining a firing saucer that's like <laughs> spinning around like and they're no. like <laughs> Anyway, so back to our turning point. Or our, to me, this was the biggest reveal, a weirdest thing of the whole book. Again, which, throw so the book. Throw the book. Excitement. I need to keep reading, but continue. So they're on the Berg, and basically after they, like, David backs down, he's not going to kill Brenda. Everybody, like, he's like, you guys can, like, shower and eat food or whatever. And, you know, because they're like, we don't want to do any more of these trials, but, like, they have no idea what's going on. So basically they all, you know clean themselves up, eat some food, and Thomas is, like, talking to Teresa, and they end up falling asleep. And right before he falls asleep, he notices that Brenda and Jorge are nowhere to be found because they're all, like, in, it sounds like, like, a general, like, open space. Like a cargo hold. Like a cargo hold, all of the gladers and the the ladies, like, all of them are, like, all falling asleep, basically, because they're super tired. Can we call them the gladettes? The Gladers and the Gladettes are all oh my God, basically so falling asleep. And he just, as he's, like, going into unconsciousness, he's like, oh, like, where's Jorge and Brenda? Because he's like, I miss Brenda, which, uh, gross, we can pretend like he didn't say that. But anyway, <laughs> so he like, falls asleep. Yeah, like, what a, mm. And in his head, he hears someone doing telepathy to him. And obviously, you know, as a reading, you're assuming it's Teresa because it's the only person, only female, he's communicated that way. But then all of a sudden... <laughs> This is, I don't know, this seems like almost like a jump scare, like, it's like that turning point in the movie, like, where the, like, suspenseful music comes on, and it's like something was different about her voice, like, the, it felt different, and then he was like, oh my god, it's Brenda, and we're like, Brenda is telepathic too? Who knew that telepathy was such a big part of this story? Which, quick side note, from what I've read, it sounds like they took the telepathy out of the movies, they took that whole aspect out, so that'll be interesting when we watch to be how it was changed, because it seems like it plays not a huge role, but a pretty decent role, especially now that Brenda's telepathic too. Like, well, it also just it plays a it plays a role in establishing the intimacy yeah. between Thomas, Eris, Teresa sooner, and like explaining why they're closer. But also, like if you remember when Thomas runs his first half marathon, it's because the telepathy kicks in. Like, what's going to make him run a marathon this time? I guess she's going to say it aloud or something. But, yeah, I just, something I read said that they, like, took it out. So I'm definitely interested to watch watch and, like, see how they change that. But anyway, because 
so basically like Thomas wakes up and is like freaking out because he obviously doesn't know what just happened. He's like, was it a dream? Did I imagine that? Or was she really speaking to me? And can I quickly mention my, I want to mention, I wonder if the telepathy is like a bio implant. Like if it's something that these people, because they were like extra geniuses and like, because they became the creators and because they were like, we're going to have to go into the trials. They gave themselves that power. Cause we do get, know that wicked has like extreme tech. It could be something like innate, but like telepathy when it's not like scientifically explained is like a little magical and it doesn't really feel like this series is magical per se. It definitely feels like more futuristic science. So that's yeah, definitely a good thing to think about. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that's definitely a good theory because it will make sense now if Brenda is also, and also cause just, I feel like the more people we're finding out who have that ability, it's, it becomes less magical because it seems more common. Yeah. Like it was like, and it does sound like it was something that was artificial and it's between very specific people. Like, you know, again, obviously like we assume in fiction that our main characters are going to have certain powers or abilities beyond everyone else. But like, it feels more than just an accident that like four gliders or four of the candidates that go into the trials as the last two in both mazes, like, they all can telepathize together. I don't know. It just feels like they that might be something that they could give themselves that skill. Yes. So with this reveal with Brenda, like we said, I don't think it was a dream. I think this is right there pointing that she definitely works for Wicked and Jorge probably does too. And they were planted there. And anyway, that happens. And then Thomas wakes up. I agree. I agree. I think she definitely works for Wicked too. Yeah. Thomas wakes up, which this is the part, like, I think I, like, semi-remember this, like, that this happens, but, like, again, I don't know how I could have possibly read this and been like, oh, I'm done with the series, never gonna read it again, but Thomas wakes up, and he's basically in, like, a padded room alone. He's been separated from both groups, and Teresa actually reaches out to him in his mind, so they're speaking through their telepathy, and he's like, what's going on? I'm alone, and she's like, I don't know. She's like, they took you away. They said that the flare had already gotten you and was turning you crazy. So they like, took you away. And he's like, how long has it been? And she said, it's been a week. And she said, the other two groups are together, which is Teresa lying to him. Are they really just like doing whatever? Like, cause she doesn't sound like they're in the trials, but he's basically locked in this padded room, has no idea what's going on and is being told Teresa. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, Thomas gets like really angry in this moment and basically tells Teresa that he doesn't want her to speak to him again, like through the telepathy. He's like over her, which I mean, it's probably just the whole feeling of the betrayal has finally settled in because obviously before it happened, but there was a whole bunch of stuff going on and the adrenaline pumping and he didn't really have time to fully process his feelings. So it's all coming down on him now. So he's like, Teresa, I don't want you to talk to me. Like, leave me alone. And then the weirdest thing ever, Teresa is like, okay, well, can I just say one more thing? And then she takes like this dramatic pause and she's like, wicked is good. And then she just like disappears from his consciousness. And that's it. That's what we get. That's the end of the book until we get like this mini epilogue. Yeah. So, okay. So Thomas is in a solitary confinement chamber, which definitely feels, you know, important. Want to see where that goes. But I was honestly on the side of, like, it's good that he told her to go away. Because, at least for now, 
he might not have pieced together that they're the same team. Like, he's not pieced that together yet. And for him, it's messing with his emotions to care about her. It's messing with his emotions to give her the benefit of the doubt. And it's messing, messing with his ability to reason because he doesn't know what he can trust. And it's not even necessarily, I think, that he thinks that she's evil. Like, I don't think that he thinks that she means him any harm. But she's clearly doing, like, she's following certain orders that are being given to her. And he just can't take that risk. I understand that. I understand that. I understand it. My only thing was, I mean, also, like, as the reader, I was like, how are you severing your only contact to the outside world when you're trapped in a room alone? Yeah, he doesn't know a lot about, like, the prison industrial complex and how really destructive solitary confinement is to the brain. But whatever. Well, that's the only reason why I was like, what? But I mean, obviously, we're going to get more answers in the next book. But I was like, I need to know more. You need to ask her more questions. Like, what's going on? Why are you, uh, why have you been taken away? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I want to know, too. Like, I, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard because, like, he has to protect his own sanity. And, like, he just doesn't know. He can't know what Teresa is saying like he can't know if it's true or if it's being fed to him by wicked or if it's gonna hurt him or if it's gonna give him false hope like he just can't know yeah I get that but something else Teresa tells him that I think is also another important detail is she mentions how because again she says that they told them that Thomas was taken away because he has the flare really bad so he had to be like basically separatedly quarantined Oh, triggering word quarantine. <laughs> he had to be separated from the group. But I think Teresa is the one who says this about, she kind of brings up this idea of like immunity and that they think that some of them are immune to the flare. Yeah. And that's something that we still haven't discussed. Like we don't even know if there's actually a cure yet. Like it feels much more to me like there is no cure yet. And they're trying to find people who are candidates to make the cure or develop the cure or develop immunity. Exactly. Rather than like what Bratman said of like, you make it to the safe haven and you're good to go, we'll give you the shot and you'll be fine. Like, it definitely feels like that wasn't the whole picture, which we also said as soon as he said that. Yes, I think that, yeah, Thomas and the group, at least a majority of the group or a portion of the group, is probably immune to the flare. And this is ultimately what the trials are about. It's basically probably whatever the immunity is, obviously you were able to, like, they want you to have good, like, I guess, character like skills and stuff for your genes. Maybe to pass it's something on. like if you have to have sh- super strong m- force of will, force of mind, and that resists you going crazy. Well, yeah, have really strong force, yeah, of will and of mind, and also immune in the sense of at least in the scorch trials, we're assuming like they were ex- because they told them that they had the flare, which was probably unlikely, but the idea that they were then exposed to people actually with the flare. And if they didn't get it, so, like, it's the two-sided thing, I feel like, is maybe what they were looking for. And, yes, I do assume that's what they're looking for in the candidates. But, again, if that's the case, since we already know, like, Thomas is the main character, seems to have, like, the strongest qualities, is clearly special. Like, why was he separated? It's obviously not because he has the flair. Like, we know that that's not what the real answer is. And I think it has something to do with Brenda. Because I think Brenda maybe plays also a very big role in Wicked. And Brenda obviously really likes Thomas. And like we're saying, 
if maybe the candidate they're trying to get, like, what if they're going to, I mean, the book, the next book is called The Death Cure. Maybe in order to get these people's genes, they have to kill them in order to develop the cure. And so maybe this is Brenda's way of sparing him. I don't know. These are all just (laughs) thoughts I'm having right now in this moment. Well, we should probably get to it then. We should, before we wrap up so we can prepare for the next book, we should mention there's an epilogue again. And again, it's a wicko, wicko. It's a wicked memo, a wicko, if you will. And it's basically saying that there were some complications in the Scorch trial. Like this wasn't exactly according to plan, which we know, but that it seems to be going along well and it's still under control. They still will get candidates and they still expect to be successful. I think her name was Amy. Or pers- Ava. It's something with an A. But wow, we really what if weren't paying a- attention. We really weren't paying attention. I mean, it's, it's literally only mentioned in the epilogues of the books. It's one little thing. But I'm also like, what if that's Brenda? I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like that's yeah. the twist that's coming. I feel like Brenda was a part of it the whole time. And obviously she just went by a different name. Because that's an easy way of like tricking the reader. But. Well. We will see, but basically, again, we just know that Wicked is controlling a lot of this, and we there. We just want to see what happens. So I propose that we move, that we wrap up the episode, and just you know start the next book. Yes, we are so excited to start the third and final book, The Death Cure, next week, and we're going to be reading chapters one through thirty-seven. If you want to read along with us, and if you do have predictions, theories, or questions. I feel like the last three minutes of this episode were just us theorizing. So if you agree with us or you have other ideas, and you can always stay in touch with us directly on the Nerd Party website, just head over to nerdparty.com contact. You select their back paperback. You know the drill. That'll send us an email. You can also reach the network at large on Twitter, at Joy Nerd Party, Instagram at the Nerd Party, or Facebook.com slash the Nerd Party. I'm at C.E. Sheeland on Twitter and at C. Shells on Instagram. And I'm at Asia Bonilla on Twitter and TikTok and at Asia.Bonilla on Instagram. We already mentioned this at the top of the show, but if you have the need to or feel like you want to support us extra, please leave us a review and rate the show wherever you listen to us. Yeah, and subscribe because we're going to start the death cure next week and you don't want to miss it. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.